why today's podcast, I want to spend some time simply sharing from my experience. As you listen to this, I hope you may be in a situation where you can grab a notebook or a journal and take some notes as I share with you. If you happen to be in a situation today where you can't and where you're listening, you're not able to write things down, I would encourage you just to absorb what you can and maybe come back and re-listen to this another time when you can take some notes. Um, I want to preface this and offer a little context before we get going to say what I'm sharing with you today is not a prescription, it's a reminder, okay? I don't think there exists a prescription out there for here is how you build healthy team culture. If you just follow these five easy steps, I think we are inundated with that kind of garbage and that is not what I'm talking about today. I'm simply going to share with with you something that has worked for me as a head coach. I coach collegiately. I have coached at the club level, the high school level, boys and girls, men and women. I've been a volunteer assistant. I've been um, an assistant coach uh, at different levels. I've been a head coach at different levels. So I've kind of experienced the different areas of it. Um, I've run my own businesses. I've gone in and helped other people develop their culture and their business. I've served in different roles in ministry uh, and and, I've helped raise up a ministry or an extension, if you will, of a ministry. Uh, So my, my experience that I'm sharing with you out of, I hope will help you in wherever you are to maybe just, maybe it's one little area and this podcast will give you a breakthrough. That'll be awesome. And I'll, and I'll consider that um, time well spent for both of us. Maybe there really isn't a process that you use when it comes to developing a healthy team culture. And I'll give you a great example. Um, When I talk to prospective student athletes and I do my recruiting, I will often ask them, you know, when they're talking to other colleges, actually encourage them to ask those coaches, not if they have a healthy team culture, but how do you build your healthy team culture day in, day in and day out? Anybody can tell you, oh, yeah, 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 our culture is great. I'm not interested in a platitude or a plaque over the door that says we have a healthy team culture. Okay. What I want to know is how do you do it every day? Because let's face it, let's just be real. Okay. You can have a healthy team culture and have things go sideways. You can have extreme disappointment, difficulty. You can have people act out. Um, You can have people decide this is their big moment. They don't want to buy in anymore. And it creates frustration, disruption within the culture. Having a healthy team culture doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges, problems, obstacles um, at at all. That's part of life. Culture is fluid. So the idea, you could write this down. The idea that culture is about arrival is about the biggest myth on the planet. No one arrives at having a healthy team culture. I love it, though, when I hear people say, hey, we have a plan in place. We have a process that we follow so as to reduce the number of times we face those struggles, those obstacles and those challenges. And that when we do, we've actually trained for adversity. We know not if, but when we struggle, when we fail, when we hit some bumps in the road. I heard this the other day uh, and I wish I could remember who said it. I retweeted it so you could go back and look at my Twitter um, and find it. But a guy had talked about how when we eliminate those those struggle points in our kids' lives, uh, and they were referring to parents raising up kids that may want to play at the next level. Um, when we remove those struggles, we're robbing them of the growth they need. And they made the comment that when we do that, we take speed bumps and we create mountains out of them. And I love that. And maybe that's what this podcast is going to do, is help some of you in, in positions of leadership not allow speed bumps to become mountains. Maybe this process in part or in whole, will be an encouragement to you that you can leverage. Um, I will tell you that it's, well, let's just jump into it. 
let's jump in. So there's five areas, technical, tactical, psychological, social, and physical. Okay, I'll say those again. Technical is your first one, then tactical, then psychological, then social, and then physical. So I'm gonna give you all five right out of the gate, and now I'm gonna unpack each one with a couple of minutes of context and, and share three thoughts at the end of how I view this, and maybe you'll leave today feeling a little more equipped and a whole, hopefully a whole lot more empowered to go build every single day the healthy team culture that you want for the people that you're leading, for the people that you're journeying with, um, that this will be an encouragement to you. So let's go to technical, that's the first one. When I say the word technical, in anything, what we're really talking about is someone's ability. What are we great at? There's a question to ask. What are we great at? What technical ability does our team have that we do really, really well, we feel like sets us apart from our competition in whatever we do? That's technical, okay? You can develop technical skill over time. In sport, it requires, um, literally in soccer, you can say, here's a ball on a wall. Knock the ball off the wall and work on your passing, your receiving, your first touch, your second touch, your timing, your distance, your anticipation. There's so many things you can develop in technical skill. And whatever it is that you do, my question for you right out of the gate is, what are you great at? And you could even follow it up with a subsequent question of what, what are we not great at? And maybe we need to spend a whole lot, lot more time on the thing that really isn't our wheelhouse. I know a lot of people that will get in the weeds on technical ability and try to be something that they're not because they think that's what's gonna help them compete. When in reality, you know what? Just be really good at you. So technical ability is the first one. Then we move over to tactical. Tactical is about strategy. It's how do we approach the game? There's a great question. How do we approach the game? It's your IQ, it's your awareness, it's your ability to have a fully, um, fully open conversation within the context of your team, put everybody around the table and really start hashing out the X's and the O's and the is and the thens and the what's and all of that. That is your tactical nature. And if we stopped right there and drew a line down the page, and technical and tactical, sat to the left of the line, I think that's where we as leaders spend an exorbitant amount of our time and then we wonder why we get kind of stuck, why our culture isn't really becoming the thing that we want it to become. Because if all we ever make it about is our skill to do something and the plan to do it, we've made it very transactional. And if we stop there left of the line, we miss out on just a really beautiful part of this thing, building healthy culture is relational. So let's keep going. Just to the right of that vertical line now are three other areas that are so important to the development of that culture we're looking for. So the third is psychological. That's who we are internally. That is our head, our heart, and our gut. That's when we hit pause, we can sit down and go, listen, I can fully embrace something specific here and I want you to write this word down. This is your identity. If technical is about your ability and tactical is about your strategy, psychological is about your identity. Are you able to fully articulate and embrace who you are internally. And you can even draw uh, two lines here to two areas, individually and as a team. And this is the one where a lot of people get caught up. Um, this is the stick in the, in the bike spokes that will flip you off the seat real quick, is they spend all this time talking about their team culture. But at the end of the day, they don't really know the, each individual person's head, heart, and gut and how they're hardwired. 
sit down and really understand uh, the strengths, the opportunities, the struggles, um, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows of the emotions that go with everything that makes up the individual person. Uh, I did this with a program that I've worked with for the last three years. I'm going on year four. In the very first setting of meeting this group, we did a workshop and we actually did some role playing, talking about a person's strengths, talking about their vision and their values and really getting to understand them. And at the end of the exercise, someone I had just met in the room uh, that day, within an hour, an hour and a half of our time together, right in front of everybody, did a very impromptu role play. Um, and when it was all said and done, and I spoke to that person's vision, I spoke to that person's values and how they, they process and, and make decisions and solve problems and use their critical thinking skills and all of that, that little tiny exercise that lasted all of two to three minutes. I remember sitting there looking at that student athlete at the time and they had tears in their eyes and simply said this back to me in front of their entire team and coaching staff. How did you do that? And I stopped for a second and I just, I, I guess it, it caught me off guard a little bit, but I said, well, how did I do what? And that student athlete said to me, it's like you could see into my soul. And I wasn't even fully prepared for that response. And I looked over and the head coach was in the room and the coach looked at me and said, Brett, I now know how to coach. And they said the person's name so-and-so differently than, than I ever thought about. And it had nothing to do with that person's technical ability to play a game. It had nothing to do with their tactical strategy, IQ awareness, any of that. No X's, no O's, no ability, nothing. And everything to do with that person's identity. That head coach saw that student athlete differently than they had ever seen them. That student athlete saw themselves differently than they had ever really stopped and considered. And I guarantee you, every teammate in the room saw that student athlete differently than they ever had. That was our jumping off point. So the third point is psychological. It's identity, it's internal. Who are we internally? Here's the fourth piece. This is your social, social. Who we serve externally. And, and the word that I would put with this is destiny. I believe sometimes we, we lump those two words together, psychological and social, psychosocial is the word sport loves to use for it. Um, I've broken them apart because if psychological is the internal piece of who we are, I still believe as human beings, we are wired to connect with others and get outside of ourselves and use the things that are who we are and, and, and all the things we talked about earlier in the technical, what we can do and how we process it tactically and who we are internally. How do we leverage all that pulling it forward? It's the social piece. It's who do we serve? That exercise with that student athlete was me serving the heart of that student athlete, the mind, head, heart, and gut, serving into that person's life. See, sometimes we hear serve and all we think about is service project. Like it's a one-time thing. Like we go serve at the soup kitchen and we wear all of our team gear and we take a picture and we put some hashtags on social media and look how awesome it is. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And that actually is an important part of our development is to come together to meet the needs of someone else or a group of another people. But it doesn't just become an event or a project or a box we check. We recently did an exercise with the guys that I coach and one of them said, you know what? We shouldn't have to wait for coach to schedule something for us. I had goosebumps as I said that. This kid is such a good leader. Young man is such a powerful leader. He said, what's stopping us from holding a door for somebody or picking up a box for somebody or just serving what he was getting at, serving their heart. It doesn't need to be an event. It can just be in a moment. 
And when you stack those moments up, guess what, what comes from that? Momentum. More of those moments creates more of that social momentum. It's about who are we serving externally. And it's that destiny world, word rather. So technical ability, tactical strategy, psychological identity, social destiny. That's our destiny. Our destiny isn't to win games. Our destiny, destiny isn't to have a profit and loss statement that looks awesome. Those are all outcomes of the things that we do every day, but that's not our destiny. Our destiny should be affecting the lives of those people that we lead, that we interact with, that we have the opportunity to connect with. Our destiny should be about leaving other people's lives better than we found them. Not because they needed us, but because we just felt the need ourselves to pour into them, to support them, to equip them, to empower them, to inspire them. It makes sense, doesn't it? That social piece. Here's the last one, physical. Physical is how we prepare intentionally, okay? And when I say prepare from a physical standpoint, one of the things in sport I talk about all the time, and quite frankly, this is way more than sport. If you're a business leader, you should be listening to this. If you're a pastor of a church, if you're an executive director to a not-for-profit, if you lead people anywhere for any reason, if you're a mom and you're a dad and you've got kids at home, they're watching you, okay? Here's your big three. Nutrition, hydration, sleep. Get those three things right, and you are preparing intentionally to be able to support everything else that we've already talked about. At the end of the day, what we really want to talk about, let's say we get to 80, 85, 90, 95. I don't know when the end of this thing. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. I don't know when my journey on this earth ends. But I know when it does, I want to leave a legacy of impact on some level. But listen, a legacy is like a nickname. We don't get to pick it. I actually did this as an exercise with my guys. I sat them down one day and I asked them how many of them had a nickname. And there were like seven or eight guys. They said, yeah, I have a nickname. And I went through, I'm like, okay, what's your nickname? And we spent some time talking about their nicknames. And when it was all said and done, I said, how many of you, by the raising of your hand, how many of you gave yourself that nickname? And they all kind of smiled and nobody raised their hand. Because we don't give ourselves nicknames. I mean, if we do, it's kind of weird, right? But in general, people don't give themselves a nickname. And guess what? We don't get to pick our legacy. Our legacy is simply going to be the outcome. It's going to be the end looking back of everything that we thought, said, and did as a human being on this earth with and for ourselves and others. That's it. We don't get to pick it, but we can prepare for it. So physically, how are we preparing intentionally to be able to support everything that we do with our technical ability, with our tactical strategy, in our psychological identity, That'll inform what we do physically and then our social destiny. If we're not in a position to be able to help others, how can we help others? Pretty simple, right? It's like flying on an airplane. They go through the thing at the beginning and say, if the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first. Prepare intentionally or you can forget about serving socially. You're not going to be able to. You're going to be knocked out laying on the floor. When you put those five things together, here's a neat little math equation for you. Ability plus strategy plus identity plus destiny plus legacy equals our why. When people talk about what's your why, um, Simon Sinek wrote a book, and, and I'm sure many of you have heard of this. It all starts or begins with why. Um, when you really get down to it, adding those five things together, I think, really helps us formulate what that is. I promised you at the beginning that I was going to leave you. I think I promised you, and if I didn't, I promise you right now, with three statements 
an idea as a little bit of an object lesson to put some teeth to this that will maybe jumpstart a conversation with you, with your fellow colleagues, with your fellow coaches, with your fellow leaders, with your fellow pastors, with your fellow um, business owners at a rotary meeting, wherever you may be and whoever you're leading. Here's your three statements. Who we are guides us. Who we serve drives us and how we prepare fuels us. Let me say that one more time. Who we are guides us. Who we serve drives us. And how we prepare fuels us. So that first one, who we are guides us. That's the steering wheel. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. With your hand on the wheel, you will know what to do. But it comes out of the root of who we are. Secondly, who we serve drives us. That's the wheels. You can have your hand on the steering wheel all day long and go, look at me, I know who I am, I know what to do, and you can go left and right, and left and right, and center and everything else. Man, if you don't have wheels on your car, that, that steering wheel doesn't really do anything. That's why the psychological identity piece informs the social destiny piece, because we weren't wired to come here and just get ours. How many times have you heard people say they had so much money they didn't know what to do with it and they were equally as miserable? It's because it doesn't do any good to have your hand on a steering wheel that doesn't have wheels beneath you. And those wheels are there because who we serve drives us. And here's the last one. How we prepare fuels us. That's the gas in the tank, okay? How we prepare intentionally, physically, is the gas in the tank. It fuels us. Nutrition, hydration, sleep, all the things. Like, are you working out? Are you doing what you can? And I don't know what your restrictions are in your workouts. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a strength and conditioning coach. I'm not a nutritionist. There's lots of smart people you can go to for all that. But I do know that if you just sit on your can and do nothing, it's not going to have a good outcome. So all of this that I'm sharing with you today, like I said at the beginning, this is not a prescription. This is not if you just follow these five easy steps. This is simply me sharing my heart with you, telling you that on my journey, I have been able to work with teams in sport. I've led, led ministry situations and conversations have been invited to and have spoke in business settings and helped lead business teams. Um, this stuff is common. These are great reminders that will help you sit down with your team and formulate, you know, what are we great at technically? Let's talk about our ability. How do we approach the game? How do we approach business? How do we approach ministry tactically? What is our strategy? That's left of the line, remember. Now let's add right of the line. Who are we internally? Psychologically, what is our identity, our head, our heart, and our gut? How are we wired as an individual and as a team? And do we spend the time to actually get to know the individuals on our team in a way that when things aren't going well as a team, we know how to speak life, love, and hope into that individual and pull them back to the mission, to the vision, okay? And the next piece is that social piece of who we serve externally, our destiny, to leverage the things that we're great at, how we process the strategy to do it, how we leverage really who we are with our head, heart, and our gut to serve with our hands and our feet. That's the social piece. So that one day physically, we will leave a legacy of impact. And the reminder is if that's where we want to end our lives, the legacy of impact, we do well to pay attention to how we prepare intentionally every single day to support our technical skill, tactical strategy, our psychological identity, our social destiny, so that one day we can arrive at that amazing legacy. That's it in a nutshell. 
I hope that's made an impact on you. Uh, it's a little, like I said, it's a reminder, a little bit of a template to have a great conversation. To sit down, I really think, and do three things. Here's your MVP life. Mental, verbal, physical. Think, say, do. Psychological, social, physical. See it? Do you see it? Psychological, mental, social, verbal, conversation, physical. It's right there. It's right there waiting for you right up the line. If you're a leader and you can't figure out where the stuck point is, step back. Zoom out. Get your eyes off the technical and the tactical for a minute. That's left of the line and make sure you're adding in this MVP process right of the line as your foundation collectively to move the needle on building a healthy team culture. Again, this I know this was a lot in one podcast. I'm staring over at my phone right now trying to see how long it even is. 20 minutes, longest one I've ever posted. Um, but you know what? That's about the length of the TED Talk. And I guess if I had to give one right now, that would be it. I will encourage you to go back, sit down, listen to this again. Take notes. Um, I'm going to put this out on social media. I'm staring at my whiteboard right now where the notes are. Um, if you want to have a deeper conversation about it, yes, you can hire me to come in and work with your team. But if we never speak, that wasn't my intention of leaving this podcast. It was simply to encourage you. Um, so if you still get to a point where you're like, I don't feel like that's my wheelhouse, um, we can have a conversation about that. And if I feel like it's a fit, maybe we can work together. Uh, but at the bare minimum, I hope you as a leader know that the people around you care about you. And you don't have to have it all figured out. That's the beauty in all of this. This isn't about walking into a room to tell people about all this stuff and tell people who they are and tell people what you need to be doing and how you want to do it. This is meant to generate the conversation. That's the bridge in the middle. See, the MVP life is about mental, verbal, physical. It's three things, ideation, conversation, and implementation. But you don't go from ideation to implementation without the thing in the middle. You can try. But I promise you this as a leader, I've learned this the hard way growing up, okay? I'm pushing on the downside towards 50 years old now. I will tell you that if you just walk into the room with your ideas and proclaim them and proclaim that you're, everybody's going to be held accountable to implement them, it's not a matter of if but when it will fail. If you don't sit at the table with that bridge and have a conversation about the ideas and how you want to implement them, you're never really going to fulfill the potential that is down on the inside of your team. You're not going to get buy-in. You're going to get pushback. You're going to get chatter at the water cooler. You're going to get fractures in your culture. You will get culture vultures that will swoop down and wait for things to fall apart and pick at them when they do. So if you really want this thing to gain momentum as a leader, be willing to sit down and say, hey, we've got a template for a really great conversation. Let's, let's open up a dialogue about this. Let's grab a meal, throw it on the table, and have a conversation about all of our ideas, about what we're good at, how we want to do it, who we are, who we serve, and what legacy we leave. I hope that's a blessing to you. Please, please, please share this with someone else because this is such, such a huge core of my life's work that I believe with everything that I am. I'm not smart enough to tell you that this is something I just, you know, I woke up one day and go, boom, here to, this is... 47, almost 47 years worth of experiences. And I hope it will help you. And I just feel like it will help someone else if you give them a chance to listen to it. And maybe even again, have a conversation about it because we can learn from each other as different kinds of leaders as well. Uh, and last, last piece I'll leave you with, don't stay in your silo. If you're a leader in business, go talk to a pastor. 
If you're a pastor, go talk to a business leader. If you're a business leader, go talk to a head coach. Go get out of your silo and learn from other people. You'd be amazed what you can come up with out the other side of that. So thanks for stopping by the MVP Life today. Mental, verbal, physical. Remember, the things that we think about ourselves and others will impact the things that we say about ourselves to ourselves and others that will impact the things that we do for ourselves and others. Be the most valuable presence, MVP, that you can be in the lives of those you've been blessed to lead. Have a great day.